Abba Father, thank you for everyone that's here. Uh, what a gift. You answered my prayers this morning. And you're, with, uh, you're, you're allowing me to be with the people that I love so much. Would you please bless us right now? Um, those watching online, those listening, thank you for them. And I beg your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, just a little bit of encouragement, by the way. You know, all this is recorded, right? And it's live, so it's messy, right? You, you hear all the ways that I get my words backwards and tumble and stumble and get tang-tungled, as they say. Uh, just like you, <laughs> okay? And uh, someone said, Chris, I'm, I'm listening to the Christ to Seems series. I've never heard of this before. They've already listened to all the recordings twice. It's that impactful. So what I want you to understand is that when you share, you're impacting people far beyond these walls. Okay. And that's a really, really special thing. So by way of reminder, uh, self-esteem. Remember, there technically is no such thing as self-esteem. In other words, Chris Perry is not intellectually capable of having a singular view of myself. I am not just me. I've never been just me. I've always been in relationship. And in those relationships, I am defined. So self-esteem, therefore, is really other esteem. All right. Um, I am what I think people think of me. So if Chris Howlett yes. thinks that his beard is actually better than my beard, yes. um, we're struggling. We're struggling. We're shaved today, though. Okay, because everyone knows that in this building right now, it's Ben who's got the most awesome beard. So I see myself through your eyes as you see me. I am. And that is called self-esteem. And uh, for example, let's do something really silly to make my point. I could have my dream man truck. Now, just in case you don't know what that is, let me help you. It is a brand new 20, let's go 2023, because I have hope, that's why. 2023 F350, four-wheel drive, four-door, dually, with the big bad boy diesel engine and all the custom stuff. No flames, because that would be cheesy. We're not going to do that. There's my man truck, right? And then all the cool stuff that goes with that and, and all the cool stuff. And then you put me on an island all by myself with nobody to admire my awesome truck. What happens? It's not an awesome truck anymore, right? In fact, the only thing that makes it awesome is when someone goes, whoa, that's an awesome truck. Well, yes, I, I know. Thank you. God's been good to me, you know, but, but I've walked with him. He owed me. So there's no such thing as self-esteem. It's always other esteem. We are always in relationship. Always. All right. That's a good thing, actually. Can it become a bad thing? How so? Joe, how so? It's all you consider when you look at Yeah. Yeah. Paul wrote to the church in Galatians. He said, what? Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? So you've got to be careful that we don't become codependent, right? Where the opinion of a friend is more important, we'll just cut to the chase, more important than God, okay? In other words, does the opinions of God, the, the, the commandments of God on my life, what God says about me, 
does that override what other people say about me? Ah, and that's called a test case for maturity. If you claim to be a Christian, if you don't, none of this makes sense. <laughs> okay. All right. Negative self-esteem. I want to show you something. Uh, a journal was found, and uh, this is true. This was written July thirteenth, nineteen ninety-seven, and we're we're keeping it anonymous for the moment here. Uh, blank. I love you. Thank you for making such a difference in my life. I'm deeply changed because of you. Catch that one. I'm deeply changed because of you. Your letter was one of the most precious I've ever received. I'm so grateful I get to be your daddy. I love you. Okay, soak that one up. This little girl is 11. 11, 12 years old. Okay, and her dad wrote that. His next entry, July 15. I love you. Miss you. I'm almost worn out, and it's just Tuesday. This dude's on a mission trip. July 15, I love you forever. What did you do today? Did you miss me? I miss you so much it hurts. Wow. When I heard your voice on the phone, it made me so happy. I can't wait to see you tomorrow. I love you and need you so much. All right, now you tell me, this kind of stuff, the dynamics between that father and that 11, 12-year-old girl, what's going to happen with her sense of worth? What do you think? Janice, what do you think? I think it's going to escalate. It's going to rise. Okay. Okay. Anybody else on the impact of this? Is there one concept that you think is most significant? That's really good. That's really you've got a there's a consistent theme of love. Consistent theme of love, super first. Anybody else? Yeah. Uh okay. communication. Yeah. It's there. <laughs> Kinda of hard to beat it, huh? Well, <laughs> Gotta have it. The other end, parent or parents. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's so good. What's that? She's not gonna want to disappoint. Ah. That's interesting what Linda just said. Yeah, good, Kathy. It's too much. Well, I mean, I love you and need you so much. And it's all very close to the end there. Right, right, right. So I come looking at it from, yeah, I mean, the whole thing would be like there's this great, you know, height to reach. And then what if he's not like this all the time? Yeah, yeah. He's cranky all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But I, get, I do understand as a parent that you have I think that's really, really big, Edie. And, and, and sometimes, I'm not going to say love is cheap, it's not, but we throw I love you's out a lot, right? But when you said, do you have any idea how you've changed my life? 
That takes on like a whole new dynamic or I'm not the same because of you. This kind of stuff can really build the worth of another person. So, by the way, I shared that with one of my clients uh, this week and they said, well, you know, I, I, I got the I love you part. And they said nothing in my brain computes with the rest of it that I would be important. So really, really interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll refer back to this. Um, so let's, let's, let's get into crisis team now, because this is where this thing's going. We're going to the place where we're going to try to get inside Jesus' head and see it through his eyes. Okay? Just like you were <clears throat> trying to get inside the head of the dad that wrote that and the, the daughter that received that. Okay? So when you get crisis esteem, you are learning to see yourself, and it's a huge shift, the way Jesus saw himself. So how the self-concept of Christ really reveals what it means to be a follower uh, of him in the New Testament. So, okay. Remember from last Sunday, we talked about when Jesus first hit the scene and he said, hey, uh, God sent me the kingdom of God is hand. Repent, believe the gospel right now. This is an urgent thing I'm giving you. I'm telling you. And then he sees these brothers fishing and he says, follow me and I will have you. I will make you become uh, fishers of people. And it says, immediately they left their nets and they followed them. I posed a question last Sunday. He said, what, what nets do you need to drop? And it really became a beautiful moment for us at Christ Church. And by the way, this shot, and it was really, really hard to, to find something decent that would communicate. This is from some fishermen uh, in Sri Lanka. All right. It doesn't match apple for apple what would happen in the first century world in Galilee, on, on the Sea of Galilee, but it's close. Rough-hewn boats and uh, nets made from fibers from plants, and, and you weave this stuff, really, really complicated process to get the nets. You've got to understand how much work it takes to make those nets large enough to be functional and then to maintain them. It's a big, big deal. And Jesus says, drop your nets. Your livelihood, everything that you've, uh, you've been counting on, the nets your dad had, the nets your grandfather made or bought somehow, and that your livelihood depends on it. It's a big, big deal. And then we pose the idea that, you know, maybe there's some things, some nets that we're holding that are really holding us back from a genuine relationship with God. I want to pose it again. What do you think? What are some nets, things that we're holding to that really hinder and damage our relationship with God. What would you say? Nets we're holding on to that we can't have Christ's esteem if we hold them. Gotta let them go. Gotta let them go. What do you think? Ego. Absolutely. Yeah, the addiction to self, pride. What's that? I like that, Bruce. I like that. The past. Well, beautiful faith. Yesterday doesn't have to equal today. Doesn't have to. Two weeks ago doesn't have to equal today. Yeah. Twenty years ago doesn't have to equal today. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I may have told you this. Bear with my, my brief story. I was in Jonesboro. I had two psychiatrists that I was working with. They were doing mid-management, and I was seeing the folk. And busy, busy time in my life. And I, I had a client recall her, Susan, amazing lady. Uh, uh, some deformities and problems and just broken, inside and outside broken and extremely frustrated with life. 
And she begged me, would you please go with me to my appointment with the psychiatrist? And I, I said, okay, I'll go with you. And you realize that that means I got to clear three hours is what that means. So I did it. And I sat there in the office and Dr. Blaylock, the MD in Jonesboro, he's uh, since deceased. And she began to cry and pour her heart out to him. And this is what Blaylock said. You don't have to define yourself by your worst day. And boy, did that click in my brain. You don't have to define yourself by your worst day in the past, right? Do you think some of us do that sometimes? <laughs> no one responded. You know, we've got the nets of guilt. We're holding on to the nets of shame. We're holding on to the nets of regret. Decisions I should have said yes to. Decisions I should have said no to. And I messed up. And, and it's good to let go of that stuff. Yeah, really good. All right. Now let's, let's go deep on what it means to follow Jesus. This is simple. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus, and, and I, I think as I, as I look at you guys, as far as I know, everyone here perceives themselves as being a follower of Jesus. Okay? Now, if that's true, when you do that, you repeat his words, by the way, which requires that you memorize them. You repeat his words and you replicate, imitate, copy his actions and you do it with the right heart motive. That's the tough one, maybe. Um, you can get the door for, the, for the, the senior adult who's in a walker going about as fast as a snail and you're in a hurry. And you can physically do the right thing, get the door, but your heart motives are rotten because this slow crawling person is slowing your day down. Yeah, I understand. You can do the right thing with the wrong heart motive. But this is what it means. All right. Now, we're going to look at a lot of scripture. And I realize there's a negative with PowerPoint. The tendency is, do you listen to me or look at the screen? What do you do? I, I, I understand that. But I am forever an educator, so I want you to hear it and see it. There are about four principal words in the New Testament that are translated oftentimes follow. Here's an example. In the Gospels, uh, he said, follow me, right? Matthew 8, 22, follow me. Let the dead bury the dead. Okay, he's talking to Matthew, the tax collector. Follow me. And he goes on, if you want to come after me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You've got to do it. Follow me. Sell your possessions. Uh, give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Follow me. Follow me, follow me, follow me. Throughout the Gospels. Okay? Now, he, you have to understand what he means when he says, follow me in the Gospels. He's saying, I'm saying, join the gang. Join the group. Literally, walk with us. As a pod, a group of people, join the peloton. We're walking. Join in. Don't, don't stay in town. Walk with us. Literally, physically, follow me. And that implies that you're willing to listen to what he has to say. Look at this next block, uh, continuing this idea, Mark 10. Again, uh, care for the poor, follow me. Uh, there's a tax collector named Levi sitting in a tax booth, the last place you want to be when you're a Jew. And he said, follow me. Take up your cross daily, follow me. Luke 9, the foxes have holes, 
The birds of the sky have nests. The son of where has no place to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. And he said, Lord, first permit me to go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, allow the dead to bury the dead. There's a sense of urgency about follow me, right? Luke 18, again, drop the nets of addiction to things and follow me. Look at this next block, John's Gospel. The next day, he decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and Andrew, or excuse me, Philip, and he said, follow me. Okay, you're getting the idea, right? Now it's getting, it's getting deeper. John 10, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. John 12, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Okay. Look at this. We're going to shift into the writings of Paul. Paul changes some things up. Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. So now we've got something new. Not only do you follow Jesus, you follow the Holy Spirit. And then how about this one? Brian, you're an FTO. This is actually applies to you perfectly. Um, brothers and sisters, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us. Brian, you're an FTO, field training officer. You'll take a rookie. I don't know if you know fully what this means. You've got a rookie right out of the academy. They have no street sense at all. They might think they do, but they don't. And they're assigned to Brian. And Brian is going to train them and essentially saying, I want you to imitate me. Do it the way I do it. Learn from me. If you imitate me, I'll make you a good cop. If you don't, I don't have to recommend that you become a cop. I can recommend that you go and work on another career path. That's the exact idea that being a follower is imitating. Okay, First Peter 2.21, which is beautiful. You've been called for this purpose because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you would follow in his steps. Okay, quick, a quick quiz. Ready? Pop quiz here on First Peter's comment. What's the point in history? What's the timeline in history when Peter's written? What do you think? You know what? That's not a fair question. Isn't it right after Rome was burned? That's good, Lisa. Let me, let me ask you this way. Is Peter talking to first generation, second generation, or third generation Christians? First generation get to see him. You get to walk with him. You, you sit there and you ate some of the bread that miraculously multiplied. You see the miracles. You're first generation. Eye to eye with Jesus. Second generation, nope. He's gone. This is fairly late first century. It'll be second or third generation. So probably second or third generation. All right, so guess what? Something's happening. The church is embracing a whole new level of what we call discipleship. You can begin to follow someone who's not there. Do you get it? Following someone you can't see? You're a second generation follower. And you're being asked to follow someone you can't see. So now faith goes to a whole new level. Right? You with me? First John 2, watch what happens here. The one who says, I've come to know him, like, hey, I'm a Christian. 
and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him or in her. But whoever follows, we got a new thing now. We're going to follow his word. In him, the love of God has truly been perfected. Ooh, the love of God. Can you please hear that, Christ Church? Can, Chris Perry, can you hear this? Please. The one who keeps his commandments, the love of God has been perfected inside of him. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says that he remains in him ought himself also walk just as he walked, which is more code language for do what I tell you. Follow my example. Follow me. Imitate me. Get it? First John 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves the child born of him. And by this we know that we love the, that we love the children of God when we love God and follow his commandments. Revelation. This is beautiful. I don't know if you ever caught this in Revelation. They sang a new song, these people, whoever they are, they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one was able to learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. That is symbolic code for all Christians. These are the ones who have not defiled themselves with women for their celibate. Let me explain. <laughs> it has nothing to do with marriage and sexuality and everything to do with religion. They are not dabbling in pagan religions. They follow Jesus only. Look at this language. These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. Does that sound like a children's rhyme? That's right out of the book of Revelation. Wow. You know the greatest thing that you could ever say about Chris Perry? That guy follows the lamb wherever he goes. What a compliment that I would be that kind of man. So what does discipleship look like? There's uh, four of the Greek words if you're interested. It simply means that we're going to follow Jesus by repeating his words, replicating his actions with his heart motives to the best of our ability. And we're going to follow the leading of the spirit and the examples of the apostles like Brian, the FTO. Rookie's got to obey Brian. Brian, have you, ever, have you ever looked at somebody and said, do what I say? If you don't, you're going to die. Because <laughs> it's that serious, right? When the bullets fly, better. Okay, there's urgency. And Paul says that. Paul says, do it my way. Follow my example. Wow, can you imagine being the kind of person that you could tell another Christian, if you'll just live my way, you'll be a Jesus follower. Did you catch that? <laughs> if you just do it my way, you will be a follower of Jesus. And then submitting to the teachings of the church. Where this body of doctrine, this information, we have to follow that. The commandments that I give you. This is what it means to follow. Now, let's get inside the head of Jesus. You ready? What motivated Jesus to follow his father? Let's get inside his head. Number one, the father loves the son and has entrusted all things to his hand. The Father loves the Son. John 59, just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you, remain in my love. You might start to connect some dots here. John 17, I in them and you in me, 
that they, now these are first, second, third generation Christians, may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and you love them just as you love me. And I have made your name known to them and will make it known so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Wow. So if we're getting inside the heart and head of Jesus, what is the driving thing that somehow makes Jesus just quickly and gladly obeys the Father? Why? Edie, why? What's driving it? Absolutely. Absolutely. This may appear to be sappy at places. What's fascinating about these notes is that it empowers this child to believe that they have amazing ability and influence and that they can make a difference in the world because they're making a difference in dad and they're making a difference in mom. And that is amazing. If we could reconfigure this just a little bit, and this is Jesus talking to you. Bear with me. I know it's not a straight apples to apples comparison. I understand that. I want you to understand that he believes you have the power to have tremendous influence as well. Okay. All right. What motivated Jesus? Love, 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 love. So there you go. There you go. We repeat his words and replicate his actions to the best of our ability. Now, you are the gifted body of Christ. If you don't settle the love issue, what's going to happen? You can't settle the issue of love. Kind of like Bruce, you, you are more influenced, please get this, you are more influenced by the, the regret of your worst day than you are the day-to-day love of God that is real. You're in a deeper bondage to your regret than you are to the love of God that has been revealed through Jesus Christ. What do you do with that? And that you claim to be the follower. You claim to name the name of Jesus. What do you do with it? You are the body of Christ. What's that? Why is that, why is that important? Why are you wise in that comment? Okay, Lisa, this is a big deal. Proverbs 23, 7. As a woman thinks within her heart, so she is. As a man thinks within his heart, so he is. Right? So what if you took your, 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 your mind's attention, heart's affection, and said, Jesus, thank you for loving me. And you focused on that. Well, what happened to you? 
as a woman thinks within herself, as a man thinks within himself, right? You get it? What you concentrate on, you become, right? So if you say, hi, I'm, I'm Chris Perry. <laughs> I'm a stupid idiot. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Sorry, everything I touch screws up. It's all my fault. Please forgive me. If I hadn't offended you yet, just give me a chance. And, and, but I'll be quick to ask forgiveness. If I, if I entertain that mindset and form that idea, wow, talk about a complicated mess of a guy, right? But if I rejoice and literally laser lock on the truth, it can overcome the lies so that I can let go of the nets to the big regret that eats at me that nobody knows about. Does that make sense? Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. And those two things just don't, I mean, it doesn't compute in my brain that I could believe that he died for me, but I didn't really believe he loved me. Maybe a little, but not as much as he loved everybody else. For years and years. Yeah, yeah. Edie, do you think this little girl's going to grow up and believe that God loves her? Why? Because her daddy. Yeah, okay. So do you see how self-esteem can kind of Transition, transition us into Christ's esteem. Right? Yeah. That, thank you, Edie. That was brilliant. Somebody else, why does this matter? How do we live it out? Anybody? Stephen, anybody online? Okay. Chris, I think a lot of the two is um, sense of self and wanting to have control over your own life. Um, it's a mess. Everyone has to let go of. Wow. Um, and in love, you have to trust someone else to respect you and to grow you as well. And uh, I was reading through Hosea a little bit, and there's a part wow. where God talks about his relationship with Israel as a father son. And he's like, I called you out of Egypt. And then you immediately left. And it's like, and at one point he's like, I'm going to do all these things to you, but then I remember you. And wow. so I'm going to be gentle with you. Wow. And it's like, God is always gentle with us. Um, and even when we want to withdraw, he's still pursuing us to give over. And so it's not a, we don't have as much power as we think we do in withholding God from our suspicions. <laughs> Philip, you answered very well. Thank you. And thank you for drawing from Hosea. That's the story of grace, isn't it? Wow. So uh, words are powerful. They're very powerful. Um, the word retaliation. What does it mean to retaliate? Retaliation. Okay. Okay. Good. Anybody else? Retaliation. Anybody? Payback. Payback. Yeah, that's good too. So it's interesting. The root word is talus. Okay which means to count, okay? It's an accounting kind of term, but, and the word morphed into, when you say retaliate, that, you know, you threw a punch, well, I, you threw the punch, you did the talus, you took an action, well, I'm gonna retalus, I'm gonna react back, you punch me in the nose, I'm gonna punch you in the nose. 
So in, in the, the world of psychology, especially psychology and tradition, about 75 years ago, they developed this idea called Italian dread. Italian dread. And you know what it means? You threw the punch. You did something really wrong, and guess what? You live in fear that the re-punch is coming. In other words, it's about to rain consequences, consequences and you're really upset. And sometimes with Italian dread, and you don't know the grace of God, it's exhausting to be a human. <laughs> when you live tangled up in your own nets of regret and all the mistakes you've made, and you think it's raining consequences. Robert Louis Stevenson, the great author, said, eventually, we all sit down to a banquet of consequences. <laughs> yeah, eventually, we're all going to sit down to the banquet of consequences. And we can get so tangled up in the nets of our own dread, Italian dread, that we think, Edie, we can't think that God's love can cut through that. And, and that Jesus as Lord and Savior is not enough. And it literally, it's something that, that it, we did, we're tangling our own nets. And it's a terrible thing. But the fact is, do you realize there's not a sin committed in this room? And for the sake of discretion, I won't describe the nasty ones. Okay? The dark ones. I might comment about the polite ones, like a little white lie. You know? Or a little over the top with our pride or something. I, I, I'm talking about there's not a sin that has been committed in this room, past, present, or future, that would separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus if you're born again. Okay. And you don't have to live Italian dread. You don't have to live in that black cloud that, that it's going to rain horrific consequences. Anytime now, you better hold up and live in the misery of that. You don't have to. Now, if you really want to and you enjoy it, then that's, I would not want to deny you that, that great blessing. It's awful. It's exhausting to live that way. Do you realize that we got inside the head of Jesus and looked out through his eyes and he said, you want to know the driving force in my life? It's the love that my dad and I share. It's this amazing, amazing love. And, and, and it's so real. He's had such an impact on me and I have such an impact on me. It's like we're one. And man, I'm just, and we'll get into it. Jesus just does this autobiographical thing. He says, look, I'm just here telling you what dad told me to say. How simple is that? I'm just here because dad sent me and I'm saying what he told me to say. Now, if that offends you, all right. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah, Lisa. Yeah, still holding on to those nets, yeah. So uh, technically, um, Lisa, um, 
sometimes it's a really sensitive personality. They just they're just sensitive people. They're prone to sensitivity and big feelings, you know. And those big feelings can override facts, little facts, and the tail wags the dog kind of thing. Uh, but another reason is that deep, deep inside, this is a little stretch to get a hold of, but deep inside we really want to be our own saviors. We want to slip into the shadows because we realize how naked we are and how embarrassing that is. Oh my gosh. And so slip in the shadows and then grab, gather some fig, fig leaves and fix it ourselves. There's something inside that we want to fix our own messes and we can't. And this is the beautiful thing about following Jesus. We drop the nets of that dysfunctional way of life. And we literally do it his way. That's what we do. So, Kathy? I was just thinking, could it be also that we tend to look at ourselves as being the problem rather than that's good. David? Isn't, isn't it also sometimes I notice in church and my church leaders will sometimes blame or say to the person, well, I don't think you're walking with that as a this, still holding something over as well. Yeah, you actually have a point there, David. Let me develop that just for a minute. Uh, sometimes the, the, the pastors create this dynamic that if you're not nigh unto being perfect, you're not good enough. And, and, but here's the deal. It's tough. There's a sense in which we have to have standards, right? And there's another sense in which we have to have grace. Otherwise, we become Pharisees. I think there's another. Yeah, Sloan. That's so good, Sloan. Because of peace. Yeah. Peace because of peace. Yeah. Peace because of yeah. his love and mercy and grace. Wow. Um, uh, Janice, yes. I think, speaking to what Francis spoke about, about people not understanding forgiveness, I think <coughs> as a body, we need to collectively own some responsibility for that. Because when someone with something in their past is brave enough to speak about that, oftentimes what they're met with the body turns their back on. Yeah, shame. And so we have perpetuated shame yeah. in the body of Christ. 
yeah. yeah. That's really wise, Janice. It really is, Joe. You were going to say something. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, it's what everybody else is saying. We call it this thing is sin management, not as holiness and not as discipleship. Sin management, particularly outward, obvious sins. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Embarrass all the rest of us. Yeah. Don't do that stuff. Yeah. When you teach it that way, your first instinct is always to solve that one. Yeah. The concept that I am extremely eternally irrevocably depraved apart from Christ and extremely completely saved and righteous in him was never communicated to me. Yeah. But that's the truth. Yeah. That's the truth of the gospel. If I know and believe that I'm a depraved, worthless lump of human being apart from Jesus and because of what he did, I'm as valuable and as righteous as he was in God's eyes. You're quoting Paul. Changes my perception of what I'm doing here and what I'm doing. I'm yeah. not trying to stay out of hell. Yeah. I'm trying to please the Father and spread the kingdom and show people that God is wonderful and He loves us, not to be some wow. angry deity dangling us over the fire like a spider, like Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. It's yeah. a totally different concept, and your 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 motivation changes completely. Yeah. And yeah. That is so good. Holiness, of course I do. It's because I love because I was loved. Yeah. And I seek to please the Father by eliminating evil. Oh, Joe, that's so good. That, that Steve. Well, this consistency teaches her. Yeah. Know, yeah, 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 that's so good. Now let's flip the script. What if it's the opposite and we've got an angry, out-of-control dad and he directly tells the child or the child hears the spouse unloading on another spouse. That stupid brat, what's going on with that kid? You know, it, I, when are we going to have some peace and quiet in this house anyway? What, they start doing what they're told about. You know, and you're yelling. You know what? I'd be happy if you would just do what I say. And that's how you're raised. And then you say, oh, God loves you. And has a wonderful plan for your life. You know, it's a little hard. All right, all right. You ready? Guess what? Let me let's get out of the bag. That's a conversation between me and my daughter, Rebecca. I was on a mission trip. I think it was St. Louis, Lisa. One of the most impacting mission events I've ever been on in my life. And uh, Rebecca, you to this day are the kind of daughter that any man with a decent brain would be thrilled to have. And that you still, I would say all these things to you today, you still have a huge impact on my life. And I am so, so proud of you. Now guess what? When I see you love Jesus and follow him, I am happy. You can make me happy. And I'm so grateful for you. I really am. So, um, yes. John 10, that's so good, Edie. That is so good. Let me do a tie-off, last comment. One of the worst things we can do as parents is to act like Jesus isn't important. He's everything. He's everything. Absolutely everything. Okay. All right. What nets you holding on to? You ready to let them go? Have you settled up on the love of God? That as the Father has loved Jesus, 
Jesus has loved you. Live in that love. Okay? And when you do that, uh, it can make uh, the huge mess of the world all go away. Fight's still a fight, but we're free. All right, I want to pray. Abba, Father, I love you and I thank you. Uh, This morning's been amazing. Pray for the people online who hear this this week that they would understand they're the object of your love as given through your son, Jesus Christ. Pray for everybody here. They'll let go of the nets, the sin that so easily entangles And they will run with endurance the race that is set before them. They'll fix their eyes on you. You are the author and perfecter of their faith. And for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. And then you get to sit down next to your dad and talk about it. How beautiful are these things? And you love us, God. Would you please bless? In Jesus' name, amen.